Welcome to the Real Estate Asset Management Podcast brought to you by Break of Day Capital. The show focuses on educating syndicators and apartment owners on how to build systems and manage their properties more efficiently to become a best-in-class operator. 100% straight talk. Let's jump in. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Asset Management Podcast. I'm your host, Gary Lipsky with Break of Day Capital. Be sure to join our Facebook group, Asset Management Mastery, where we have a great community of thousands of like-minded individuals sharing resources and best practices. Choosing the right insurance coverage for multifamily properties isn't that complicated, if you know who to talk to. At the Garzella Group, we're uniquely qualified to help you navigate the range of policy choices you have, and we're committed to saving you 30% in the process. We do intensive market research and have nationwide relationships, so we can find coverage other insurance brokers simply can't. We should talk. Go to quotenow.biz and we'll start the conversation. Today on the podcast, we have my friend Darren Garman. Darren is the owner and asset manager of over $50 million of multifamily in the heartland. He's the author of five real estate books and operates five real estate related companies in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Welcome, Darren. Can you start by telling the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you do? Yeah, Gary, hey, it's a pleasure to be with you, man. Been looking forward to talking with you for a long time. So yeah, I, I guess probably the important thing, things for folks to know would be, you know, the multifamily world. I've, I've been doing this now uh, going on 33 years. So so quite a long time. I've seen a lot over those 33 years. And I'm one of those guys that started with nothing. And what I mean by that is not so much coming out with no money and, and starting that way, but I'm talking not only money, but experience and, and all those kinds of things. So a lot of what I've grown to know over those 30 years has been through good experiences and expensive experiences. So yeah, I've been doing this now going on 30, you know, th- oh, geez, almost 35 years. And we've got a little bit over 1,100 units now here in Iowa. And that's where our, our home base is and where we operate out of. And, and is not surprisingly, as an extension of that, Gary, we've got property management company, property maintenance company, 1031 exchange company, and some other sister companies that go along with, you know, with the big umbrella of the multifamily properties. Nice, nice. That's a, that's a ton of experience. I mean... You know, there's this huge wave of people that came into multifamily in the last five, 10 years. And, and I, I've been one of them, but, you know, that experience goes, goes, goes a long way. So that's tremendous for you to being involved in so many properties over the years and, and writing five books. Cause I know writing one book was like, was, you know, takes such a long time, but five books, that's, that's tremendous too. Yeah. Well, well, thanks. And you know, the, the book thing is, it's not like a, I'm looking for the New York Times bestseller thing. So it's not like I'm looking to sell 10 million copies and, and, and pissed off if I don't, you know, it's not one of those kinds of things. I like to write. I, I enjoy it. And I find, and you probably find too, that in various clients or people you talk to, at, some, at given times during a certain period, during maybe a year or two years, there's a lot of similar questions 
a lot of similar topics that come up. And so when when I'm consistent, when I'm having consistent conversations with, with people like you or investors or clients, and those consistent conversations are about the same kinds of thing, I'm thinking, you know, maybe it's time for a book to get out there and discuss that and get that information out and a little bit more, you know, a little bit more broadly. So that's kind of what motivates me to do that. Nice. Well, let's talk about expenses. You know, the inflation report came out the other day and it's 9.1% gain year over year for the month of June. Now, that doesn't mean you know, everything in multifamily is going to go up 9.1%, but but certainly more than 3%, which a lot of people write for, for expenses. And so what are you seeing in, in, in the biggest surges in costs for your properties? Wow. Well, I mean, the first comment I, I would mention to you is the media in the official, the official reports 9%, but I think we all know it's, it's much more than that, just based on being in it every day. So that's actually one thing that I think people need to kind of keep in the back of their mind is those expenses, what's being reported, not only that, but probably what you're going to be experiencing as an operator and owner, they're probably going to be more than what you think. Now, that's not so much a breakthrough information or a secret that I've shared, but I think it's something that we got we to keep in mind. But in terms of answering your question specifically, we're seeing it in three main areas, three main areas. And they're probably not going to be a surprise to folks, but here they are. So number one is property taxes. So even if we haven't had any properties sell recently of our own properties, okay, or even if we are buying other properties and paying higher values recently, a lot of properties around us have been selling. And you know those city and county tax assessors, they're busy at keeping track of all that. And so they're hitting us with those updated values as soon as possible. You know, it's kind of funny. I used to, and I still kind of do, pride myself at being really good at tax appeals, going to the assessor and arguing those appeals and getting those taxes reduced. Well, the problem we've got now, Gary, is there's so many comparable sales that are at such a high or higher price per unit than where you think they, they, they should be with that assessment. It's kind of hard to appeal those now. Okay, so property taxes, number one. Number two, property and casualty insurance. Property and casualty insurance. And here's been the bummer about that, for, for at least for us anyway, Gary, is not only are our insurance premiums up, I would say on average, probably about 14 to 16% per multifamily community that we've got, but the coverage is not as good as it used to be, too. And so not only are we paying more in premium, okay, and that's a big jump over, let's say, one to two years, we're also seeing a pullback in coverage that our carriers are willing to provide, okay? And and a lot of it has to do with new construction costs and and how far that's going to go and how quickly that's going to go up, but we're seeing that too. And the third area is labor, cost of labor, not a mystery to anybody. It's a time where it's hard to find good staff. It's hard to find staff that are motivated, willing to put in the time, effort, energy for for the business. And being able to pay them is, is of course, a motivation. And heck, we're even finding when we've got what we consider to be attractive wages, still hard to find people. So we got to ratchet those wages up a little bit. And if you want to pay, if you want to attract employees with good benefits, all of a sudden, man, your labor costs are up there too. So I'd say, yeah, that'd be the top three for us, Gary. Property taxes, it'd be property casualty insurance and our labor costs. 
Luckily for me, when I buy properties in Arizona, there's a cap of five, a max 5% a year, which is good. It's not, it's not like Texas or other places where, where there's this variable of property taxes. We know in our underwriting, well, we'll just do 5% every year. Usually it's less. So that's, uh, that's a good thing. For the insurance, I have a question for you. So are you mitigating that by raising your deductible or you're just, you're not making any changes? Yeah, great question. So it's, the answer is yes, and, and a couple of other things in, in, in conjunction with that. So yeah, we're looking at raising our deductibles, and we're also making sure, you know, without getting into a, a real into the weeds insurance conversation, we're making sure that our coverages are all blanket coverages, not individual building coverages, okay? So I like to get replacement cost coverage as high of a deductible as we think we are comfortable with in mitigating those costs, but making sure that we're getting the blanket coverages for the entire community, okay, versus individual building coverage, okay? Now, there are policies out there where you can get individual building coverage, but gonna tell you based on experience, if you have one building go down, fire, flood, whatever it is, and you've got new construction costs, it's going to be very hard to recoup that full cost of that construction, even with some of the best policies out there. Then the third thing that we're doing is we're also backing up the coverages for roof. So for here in the Midwest, in the heartland, we experience hailstorms and wind quite a bit. Okay, so think thunderstorms and tornadoes. Well, one of the biggest costs in insurance is roofing. And so we've been dialing back our coverages just on those specific things roof, which is hail, and wind damage, we will be responsible for a percentage of that, say one, two, three percent of the cost of those specific claims if we file them, in addition to the higher deductibles in order to kind of scale those, scale that coverage back a little bit, make those premiums a little bit more reasonable. I'll tell you what we're, what we're struggling with, Gary, is what we're struggling with is finding carriers that will cover us for as much as we think we need per unit with new construction costs continuing to go up. That's been, that's really been our struggle. But at the end of the day, we've mitigated that with higher deductibles, blanket coverage, and dialing back in some of those higher expense items that could happen like wind and hail coverage. I think this is a, is a great topic. And I mean, we're not going to delve too, too deep in, in, in insurance, but for, for young syndicators, insurance is just like, oh yeah, yeah, we'll just get it for the lender and then be done with it. But you need to know your policy because the day you start paying attention to insurance is a day late when you're, you know, you're going to get screwed. So yeah. the young syndicators out there, pay attention to your policy. Let me, let me add one quick thing to that, Gary. In 2020, we had a huge windstorm here that throughout and all of our holdings are within about 15 miles of each other. Well, if you have a big windstorm in a 15-mile radius, we looked at 28 insurance claims filed at one time. 28, okay? So I'm here to tell you, make sure you are really knowledgeable about this now, not when things come up. You got a great, great point there, man. Thanks. Are you worried about expenses outpacing income for your properties? You know, I'm not sure how much rent growth you have in the area, but certainly in, in some areas, expenses are in, in increasing over income. And, that, and for, for those operators, that's going to be a real problem. 
Yeah, well, I think it's a problem already, and I think it's really been a problem for at least a few months. So this isn't anything for, I think, a lot of people that is coming up. I think that all of us are dealing with this at least a little bit right now. And, you know, the ability, you're exactly right, to raise those rents and raise them as much and as often as possible to catch up with those. I mean, look, our property casualty insurance premiums are due like next month. Those property taxes payments are due in three months from now. And to be able to time it so you can have the the rental income at a level where you're able to meet those expenses at a rate that you feel more comfortable with, man, it's hard. So I think we're all going to be playing a little bit of catch up here until some of those expenses level off and slow down a little bit, hopefully trend downward here in the future. I think we're all going to be playing a little bit of catch up. So so yeah, am I am I worried about it? Concerned about it? I'm concerned about it. I'm not worried about it. I'm concerned about it. It's something that we're dealing with, and and actually we've been dealing with now for a few months. So when you're underwriting, I'm curious. Most people, particularly when they start out, or you you know they underwrite three percent expenses, maybe five percent a couple of things, but longer term you got to be thinking higher. So I'm I'm curious yeah. how how you're you're looking at that when you're underwriting. Yeah. So you know depending on asset size, age, all of that. So, you know, without getting into the weeds on that, what we would usually do just as an overall, as an overall assessment is we would be looking at about 40 to 45% of our gross is going to be going out to expenses. Okay. That's typically what we're going to be looking at. We can pretty much plan on that. If we're doing a really, really, really good job of asset management, it's going to be less than that. But we, we pretty much think that, that that's where it's going to be factoring in surprises and those kinds of things. Figure around 45 to 50% of gross. Well, we're in that 55 to 58% of gross right now. And we were even going to 60% of gross. Again, depending on the age of the property and what, what needs to be involved in the size of it. Now, that may sound a little paranoid to go that high, but again, we want to make the mistake of maybe being a little bit wrong with that and maybe having a little bit more money in reserve that maybe we won't end up using versus me calling you, Gary, or one of my investment partners or somebody else saying, oh, guess what? Capital call. We need more money. And oh, well, you didn't, and not having those kinds of conversations. So we're doing that up front just to make sure. And, and we're telling all of our investors too, here's what we're doing. Here's why we're doing it. We're probably being a little overcautious, but you know, at the end of the day, that, that's the way we want to be and what we want to do. And again, if we have enough, if we have more money in those reserve accounts than what we thought as a result of that, that's perfect. Yeah. I'm, I'm totally in your camp that you've got to be that way. Whether it's good times or bad, particularly in bad times, yeah, overraise, underpromise, you know, then it, it allows you to overdeliver much easier, even if you have a few hundred thousand or more sitting sitting on the sidelines, not even earning one percent. It's it's fine. It'll more than yeah. you know, the, the amount it affects your IRR is just is so small. So investors out there invest with good operators that are, you know, everyone says they're conservative, but there is definitely many, many aggressive operators out there and, and they're going to pay a price in the next year or two. Yeah, there's going to be some surprises coming. I, I agree with that. And the other thing that, that, that we've done too, which, which really doesn't so much on the expense side, Gary, is we've been going into our deals with more equity too, with a little bit less debt. Now that does affect IRR, of course, because we're not leveraging as much, but 
again, we're, you know, we want to be a little bit more cautious right now with what's going on. And it's just been so unpredictable, especially over the last year. So we're going in with a little bit less debt too, which kind of helps mitigate some of those things, at least, at least for us. So I'm curious, what kind of leverage and are you doing bridge or fixed? So we're not doing any bridge right now, especially. So we're not doing any bridge, fixed rate financing, our loan to values on those, our loan to costs are probably around 70% is where we're at, which, and in some cases, it might even be lower than that. We might even be 60%, again, depending on asset, age, size, those kinds of things. And so the message that we are communicating to our investors is we want to go in and, and at least sacrifice a little bit of that rate of return as we go over the speed bumps that we're, we're, we're hitting now and that we're probably hitting over the next few years. And then, I mean, look, if we're at a certain point in time where we may want to pull some cash out, maybe refinance and maybe kind of get back to, I guess I'd call it business as usual. Sure. We're, we're definitely going to look at that. But the other thing we do too is mention the fact that you may suffer a little bit on return as a result of that. But at the end of the day, we'd rather have a little bit less return than having the difficult conversations that we, we definitely we definitely don't want to have. Yeah, totally agree. I, I, I see a lot of investors out there chasing IRR. I'm like, you know, one or two, three points doesn't, don't chase the IRR, chase good operators, experienced operators yes. like you, you know, like yeah. <laughs> you're much better off. And, the, and at the end of the day, like your numbers, you're, you're going to get, you'll be able to sleep better at night and perform better, less the risk is tremendously mitigated by, by working with an experienced operator versus, versus a, new, a newbie who hasn't been through tough times, hasn't been through cycles. Well, Gary, here's the deal about that. When I get, and you get these calls and emails to, it's basically, hey, what's your return? What's your return going to be? And if an investor, if all an investor is doing is calling you, asking you what your return is, Gary. The next call is to me, what's my return? Without doing the research on who they're dealing with, okay? They're really setting themselves up for trouble, okay? Doing the research on who you're going to be dealing with, track record, and and digging into the weeds on them a little bit, finding out who you're going to have that relationship with. Because look, we all know it's a lot easier to get into these things than it is to get out. So doing that research is key. And part of it is, you know, the, who the operator is, what they've been able to do, how they've been able to do it, then have those rate of return conversations, I think. But when I get those calls, what's your rate of return? And what can I be looking at for the next three to five? Oh, okay, I'm, I'm making another phone call. I mean, everybody's got their way of doing things, but that's already spells trouble to me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we're starting to run out of time. I asked this of every person that comes on the podcast. Darren, what is your asset management superpower? Oh man, superpower. My asset management superpower is to be able to quickly look at a property's expenses and quickly be able to determine on how much we're going to be able to reduce those expenses realistically and how we can be able to take that property from where it is to where it can be. And I can do that in about five minutes. Nice. Well, Darren, I appreciate you coming on the show and adding a ton of value on rising expenses. Please tell the listeners where they can find out more about you. Yeah, you bet. So you can find out more information and resources, whatever, at 
DarrenGarman.com, and I'll spell that because uh, sometimes it's a little difficult because I'm not, I'm not associated with the GPS guys, Gary. Unfortunately, I'm not I'm not in the GPS world, so it's D A R I N G A R M A N dot com, DarrenGarman.com. Awesome, awesome. Well, this is Gary Lipsky signing off. We'll be back next week with another informative episode on the Real Estate Asset Management Podcast. To all of our listeners, thanks for joining us. And if you like this episode, please head over to iTunes or Stitcher and like, subscribe, and review this podcast as it will help us grow our audience and reach more people. And if you'd like to learn more about what we do at Break of Day Capital, head over to our website, breakofdaycapital.com, and sign up for our newsletter and or fill out our investor application. We'll talk to you next week.